Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you all, and I want to share with you tonight something that, well, decades ago, this concept that I'm going to share with you, I'll have to say, what, opened this Christian life to me in a way I hadn't realized before. And I trust it will do the same to you. It is found, at least where I'm taking it from, in a parable that Jesus told us in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 25. And I'll read some of it. Um, Verse 14. He said, um, it is like a man. He's really speaking about the kingdom of God in, in terms of what it's like and what's happening. And he said, It is like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more. And I'll leave the other fellow, maybe for another time. It's it's the story of the talents, obviously, but I, I want to look at it maybe as you've never looked at it before, I don't know, but, but it's, this parable gives us an insight into, and I use my words very carefully, God's dream, the dream of the Holy Trinity concerning you and I. It's, it's the intention, it's, it's the purpose that caused creation. It is that intention of Father and Son and Holy Spirit to bring about you and I, and to bring us about for a purpose. You were created on purpose. You're not an accident. You're not the result of chance. You, you just don't, don't, don't turn up in the cosmos, and I suppose the cosmos just turned up in nothing, and here we are for no reason that we can fathom And when it's all done, we disappear into the night. No, that is atheism. Uh, It's the mentality behind abortion that can take a, a child in the womb that is filled with unfathomable and limitless potential of life and to treat it like a useless machine that can be taken apart, crushed, and his parts sold. Only an atheist could do that, because it denies the Creator. 
And it, it mocks the idea that God created you with a purpose. It, it, it laughs in the face of the idea that there is a real God of infinite love who dreamed of you. And in his holy, limitless imagination, planned and purposed what you are for. Okay, um, that, that's what this parable gives us an insight into. Of course, there's a lot more than this parable. But it, this is a window into what I just said. And therefore, this story that Jesus tells... It's meant to renew our minds concerning who we truly are in this Christian life. And I trust that as we look at it, you will catch the radical nature of this revelation. It's radical. <laughs> yeah, radical. What, what the Father's dream is concerning you. Okay, hear the parable and begin to realize how it affects you as we do so. First of all, we're introduced to an amazing person. It's the owner of, and my, my version here calls it slaves. We mustn't think of that in, in terms of persons in chains or, or, or persons... Uh, you know, something like the, the slaves of the South in days gone by. No, this, this would be better servants. Um, they were more than what we might think of as slaves. But for all that, they were servants. And so they lived within his property. They ate at his food and they, they had nothing of their own. They did their entire life within the confines of the four walls of the house. They lived by someone telling them, do this, do that. And they had to work in order to come up to the standard expected. They were servants. And this owner, this, this person, you might call the master of the house, he called certain servants together. And he's going to share with them a dream that only Jesus could come up with in, in this parable. He shares his dream, his vision for them, for each one of them. And they, they sit down. This would make a fantastic movie, you know, if you could uh, think it through. Um, here they are, servants who have had no place in the house except as servants and now they're sitting in the owner's office and he's treating them now as friends even in a sense as equals there's no sense of their being servants right now because what he is saying i i, I think he would had to have repeated it it's it would be beyond their grasp beyond their imagination he was saying that he was going to promote them. Such language was not used among servants. Uh, it was unknown. Promotion, no, you're a servant, is a servant, is a servant. But this owner is talking about promoting them, but not merely to be sort of super servants. 
he's promoting them with language that is beyond their imagination or power to truly grasp. They are no longer going to be servants as such. They are going to become partners with him. Uh, this, I, I say, you know, it, it's almost hard to tell the story because th there's nothing like this to compare it to. These who were servants, nothing more than servants, and called into his office and it's announced to them that he's leaving town for a pretty long while. But he is making them his partners, partners, so that they will continue his business in his absence. They will, in fact, be him in the marketplace, at the trading tables. He took his wealth, all his assets, everything that he had worked his life for, and he said he's going to put it into their hands. It's going to be, in effect, theirs. Not in, in the sense that they can now pocket it and walk away. It's theirs, though, to do what they will with in order to promote the interests of this owner. To, to gather into their mind, his mind and to go out into the marketplace and trade the money as if they were him, and, and when he comes back, they'll be able to present to him the fruits of their labor. I mean, can, can you, are, are you in imagination of this, that he's putting his wealth, his assets, <clears throat> the reward of his labors, he's putting it into their hands, and telling them, manage it for me. Telling them, you go out there, trade it, invest it, and let's see what you can do with it. And they were free, frighteningly free. You see, servants, they had been used all the time to someone saying, you've got to do this and got to do that. You know, it's Wednesday, you clean the windows. It's Thursday and so on. No, you're free. Totally free. Totally free. There's, there's no schedules here. We're going to do this based on fellowship. We're going to do it based on the fact your heart partners with me. And you are sharing my passion because I'm really into trading, you say. I'm really into investing. Now I'm taking all of this and you guys go out there and do it as me. Go out, invest my money. Go out there, trade and get the same rush and the same excitement as I live with every day. This, this was his dream, I say, to, to elevate these servants to partners and for them to go out and do this and invest his money as though they were he. They, it would be his dream fulfilled. He, he, he would smile ear to ear at the very idea. They were going to become 
Nothing short of co-workers, co-workers, not working for him, but co-workers sitting in the boardroom as partners, investing his money with the freedom that he's not telling them what to do. He's telling them his purpose. He's telling them what he wants in the end. But how you get there, it's really up to you. Go invest. Learn how to trade this. All with the understanding, he was saying, of my mind. See, see what I want and go and do it. Be creative. Be free to be yourselves as you fulfill my dream and my passion and my mind. And you're not going to school to learn how to do this. And I'm just giving you a certain amount of my money and... Well, from that moment on, it's up to you. It's going to be hands-on learning. You're going to get in your hand my wealth, and I'm leaving. And you will greet me when I come back with the results of all your investing and working with my money. But there's no, I, I, I really don't have time to teach you. You'll have to learn as you go. And what did he do? He gave them what the Bible calls talents. And I've heard many a sermon that looks at this as your, your particular talent. You know, you're a good mechanic or you're a good artist. You've got a talent. You should use it for Jesus. Um, no, let, let's go back. What is a talent? The talent was a bar of gold. Could also be silver, but essentially it was a bar of gold. There's no way that we can say it would be worth today. I tried to work it out. and So I'm not saying this is what it is. It's my trying to get a hold on it. That for a regular working man... In those days, it would take him 17 years of working every day and not spending a penny of his wages in order to get a talent of gold. So, that's just a hazardous guess. Uh, you, you could make it easy and say that he gave them you know, gold worth $5,000, we really can't translate it into the modern world. We don't even use money the same way, but just think, here is a talent of gold, which is, these are servants, slave servants, and they cannot comprehend, I mean, a talent of gold, they'd never imagine, I don't know if they could count that much, it was beyond their thinking. Well, more than that, to the first chap, he gave five talents. Five, five gold bars. He'd need help to get it home to to the place where he ate and slept and lived with his wife. Uh, Can you imagine bringing, bringing five, five bars of gold and each one of them equal to 20 years of labor for such as he huh 
I mean, put them on the kitchen table and look at them. I think for 48 hours you just sit there and look at it. What, what do we do with this? How can we handle it? And, and, and they've got, along with this incredible gift, the, part of the gift, understand that, it wasn't just the gold. It, it isn't that he, he brought the gold home to his wife and says, well, you can go and buy yourself a fur coat. It, no, the gold was not in that sense for them. He, the, the, the slave was now going to become the presence of his master out in the marketplace. And he's going to take that gold piece by piece, bit by bit, and he's going to invest it here and put it there and buy and sell here. And he's going to make money... He, he's going to have the rush and the excitement of doing it, and he's going to participate with his master in the results. This is crazy. But Jesus is saying that this is the way of the kingdom of God. Have you ever thought of the kingdom of God like this? Have you ever, in fact, thought of the fact, which is all over the New Testament, that the Holy Trinity has a dream for you, a dream of you? It's not merely that he'd like you to do this. God the Father, it says in the scripture, loved you before time. Before you were formed in the womb of your mother, you were known by the Father. And you were part of the Father's dream. And Jesus is the coming and is the living blueprint of that dream. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is given to us to implement and actualize and realize that dream of God within us. God's dream Oh dear, well, if, if only someone had told me this when I first became a Christian. But they didn't. In fact, they X'd out life. Really, I mean, to all intents and purposes. They said I would go to heaven when I die. Well, I was a young chap, you see. A young teenager. Death seemed an awful long way away. And, and, and the idea of having to wait till death in order to get what this was all about. Hell, it was ridiculous. And then they said the best that I could do to sort of have this life that they promised, uh, it was read your Bible for 15 minutes every day and, and pray and go and tell 10 people every day that you've become a Christian and go to church whenever the doors are open. By the, by the time they'd finished, I was yawning. How, how boring, how, how unexciting. No, this, 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 this is the incredible good news to you who believe that the Father has a dream that involves you in relationship to Him through Jesus, and you are empowered by the Spirit to fulfill that dream. Not that you just go to heaven when you die, good grief. That you should now become friends. Oh, I, I know we've, we, we've been taught that we grovel away before God and beat ourselves and say, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy. Well, you go ahead and do that. That's not the opinion of the Father. The Father has a fire in his belly over you. He's nuts about you. 
He loves you. He delights in you. And his dream is that you sit at the Holy Trinity boardroom table and are co-workers together with him and are co-rulers of the universe. No longer servants that live by the law of do this and don't do that and it's Sunday and so you've got to do this and it's Monday so you've got to... No, no. That was left in the tomb when Jesus rose from the dead. He says, I call you friends. What a word. And, and the New Testament says, it's, it's 2 Corinthians 6, it says we are co-workers together with God. 2 Corinthians 5 says we are ambassadors. We represent, we represent the triune God to the world. We do it. We do it. Yes, we, we do it. We, we share in his passion, his desire. And so we go to work out his passion, not by mugging people with four spiritual laws every time we can, but investing into life the fullness of God, the grace and the gift that he gives us. And if you're looking at me a little cross-eyed, remember what Jesus said, the works that I do you shall do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to the Father. He says, I'm leaving, I go to the Father, but in another sense I'm staying, because united with you, you're going to carry on doing what you've seen me do. And if, if you think we, we misinterpreted that in First John, John, who of course was one of his closest disciples, he said, speaking present tense, as he is, as Jesus now is face to face with the Father, as he is, so are we in this world. We're not trying to be like Jesus. We're not going around with religious anxiety saying, what on earth would Jesus do now? No, Jesus, we're united to him to continue his works. To continue to put into this world the love of God himself. Oh yes, and sometimes if that begins to dawn on us, then I'm sure we sit at the kitchen table of our life and say, dear God, give me a brain to hold this. Or maybe we would pray the prayers of Paul who says that the Holy Spirit would cause us to know, cause us to actually have the mind of Christ to think and see and understand what the dream of the Father is. The dream of this gift sat on the kitchen table. Um... I say gift, and I've already really said this, but let me say it again. It, it was not now that this little family has become filthy rich. They didn't win the lottery. Because this gold still belongs to the owner. Yet he has freely given it in order that this servant, servants, might manage it and trade it invest it and enter into the excitement and the joy reflecting his passion his mind they are free to achieve that however entirely as they will do, do you follow me it, there, there's there's no rules there, there's 
he, here it is, go and invest, see what happens. And, and that, that's the excitement of this owner, that he's going to bring these slaves to the level where they can share his excitement of investing his wealth. See what they do with it. Be creative. Do what you will. Just do it within the scope of the mind of the master. See, we, we have been given what the Bible calls Jesus himself, the unspeakable gift. And he is the source of all graces. Grace upon grace upon grace. And of course that word grace in its, its most minimal sense means a gift. It, it's Jesus is the gift, and, and Jesus is with us now in the Holy Spirit, who is the gift. And, and so, with the Holy Spirit, there, there comes the love of God poured out in our hearts. And the love of God breaks up into hundreds of different rays, aspects of love, of, of well, joy and gentleness and kindness and patience and long-suffering and faithfulness and so on. He has given to us His gift, but that gift, hear me very carefully, that gift that is now in you, that gift is the reward of His labor. That is... It was for this that Jesus came. It is for this that God lived among us and we're within the tiny limitations of being human. It is this that he goes to the cross and sufferings and death and in resurrection and ascension he is rewarded with this that humans can thus fellowship and partnership with deity. It's it's the result of his labor. It says in the scripture, he shall see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Well, this is the travail of his soul. This, this is what he died for. And yet he's put it into our hands. He puts the reward of his sufferings and deaths, the reward that he receives in resurrection and ascension, he puts it into our hands. To work that out into our world and share his reward with him. For we are joint heirs with Christ. He gives it to us. And in giving it, it's plain you go and invest it, which means bring a return back. Please understand, the love of God is not a blob in a museum. The love of God isn't something that boring egghead professors talk about. No, the love of God is Father and Son and Holy Spirit with us, for us, ahead of us, around us, under us. The dance of God for joy in our life as he makes all things beautiful and right. It, he, he gives us this gift and says, now, give me return on this. That is invested and increase it. 
Let, let, let it flow through you and, and in, in what you're doing. Let there be return. Let there be evidence the love of God has transformed here. The love of God has made this completely new. Hmm. I, I think actually the joy of this master was in their doing it. You know? You understand? He, he knew this master knew the, the rush, the, yeah, the joy, the excitement uh, of investing his, his wealth and getting a return on it. And all that went with that and the decisions made and, and, and sometimes the near failure and then the great success and all that went with. Now he says, you, you do that. I, I want to watch you do it. I want to watch you get the same joy as I get. I, I want you to have the same thrill of seeing this multiply under your hands. I, I say that because the condemnation to the one fellow that we're not talking about right now, but there was the one who did nothing with his uh, thing, nothing with his talent. He buried it. Um, and, and the... The anger of the master was simply that he'd done nothing with it. It wasn't that he didn't bring a return. It was he did nothing with it. Because that's, that's how these men would grow into being co-workers, co-partners together, in, in that they, they use it and they, they learn how to make this effective in the marketplace and bring back more to... To be as their master. It was their development that was the joy of this, this man. And so he gave them these talents, these gold bars. It's interesting the way they were looked at. I mean, gold. The way the, these wealthy persons spoke of their gold. And of course we've got this from very ancient documents that go back to these days. They looked upon their gold, their wealth, um, as a living thing. That is, it wasn't just gold to sit there and be looked at. It was to be invested in a business. It was to be placed in an area of need. What, whatever it was a living thing that is going, I'm putting it out there and it's going to work. And as it works, it will multiply. They actually call the talent of gold as having children. <laughs> that, you see, it, they looked upon it as having, it was capable of reproduction. Did you understand that? Um... The, the, it, it wasn't just having money. It was that money now being sent back to multiply itself by earning interest and so on. E, each bar of gold was looked upon as a living thing with potential, that, that latent within it, the ability to multiply. I, I tell you, okay, it's like a seed, like a seed. Maybe that would be a better idea. Um, that, that seed, you know, you, you hold in your hands maybe five seed, and, and in actual fact, you could be holding in your hand, well, you could be holding in your hand enough wheat to cover the whole of 
the, the American continent. You, you understand? That, that seed, you put it into the ground, and, and in a few months' time you go back and it has multiplied until the ears of the wheat are heavy with multiple seeds. You put one seed in the ground, but what came out was multiple. Even the flowers, if you notice, that they, they bloom, but then their parting gift is they're full of seed that multiplied themselves. Well, that's how these people looked at a bar of gold, that it will multiply. And according to the law of Genesis 1, it says multiply after its kind. And so, see, that's potential. Let, let me say right now that the, the Greek word that is all through the New Testament for power, the, the major word is in the family of the words called dunamis, Dunamai. Dunamis, one, one area of the meaning of that word is potential. What, what's potential? Well, we need to think about this, because it says you've received this power, you've received this in the Holy Spirit. Potential means something exists as possible, but you can't see it yet. It just, it exists, but only in the possible. It's waiting to be developed, called forth into being actual. So it's latent power. But it's latent capable of becoming real. Does that make any sense? It means something that is there, but as yet it's undiscovered, it's unrealized. It's ready, it's waiting to be called forth into a thousand different possibilities. But right now, you'd hardly know it's there. But it's got potential. A promise. A promise is potential. Everything that is in the promise is potential of coming into actual reality. Each gold bar, you see, was potential. You could put it in the marketplace and come back with five new bars, if you invested it right. Each gold bar was a promise of what could be. It was there, just not seen yet. And there it was, on the living room table, potential. What, what that could do, where it could go. Are you understanding me? The potential of the Holy Spirit in you, the potential of the love of God shed abroad in your hearts. And I speak to the simplest Believer, those who are not known outside of the four walls of their house. I talk to the newest believer. This is Christianity 101, that Jesus Christ lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit. And what I'm saying is, can you begin to imagine the potential right at this moment? The potential. Unrealized, possible, but as yet not seen, 
undiscovered, unrealized, yet ready at any moment to be called forth into unlimited possibilities. That's you. And we're not talking about addition here, you know, one plus one equals two. It's multiply, potential multiplies. Investing multiplies. You put in one gold bar, you get five back from a correct investment. That's what he's saying. I'm not saying you slug away and and you you. The love of God is just you know inches better. He says increase and abound. That's the words of Scripture. And I know how difficult this is because I was raised probably where some of you were. It, it's the religion that, that cannot imagine anything that I've been saying. Because surely, I mean, the kingdom of God, there's a rigid plan to this. There's formulas of you do this and you do that, and if you do that, you get this. And that there's instruction, and you're reminded you're just nothing more than a church member. And you just, as I said, bore you to tears. No. Jesus said, no. He, he gives us this, and I have to say it carefully, crazy story. He gives to you. He has given to you. He's placed in your hands the reward and the result of his life and death and resurrection and ascension, which is essentially his very self. He's put himself into your hands. He has given into us the love of God, Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, committed that to us. He said of himself, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. And he goes on to say, you know, proclaim this good news to the poor. Go and set at liberty those that are bruised and so on. That, that covers every pain and hurt and brokenness and, and bondage of the human race. And he said he's come to set it all free, make it all new. He's committed that now to you. As he is, said John, so are we in this world. Well, I, he almost does this parable at his ascension, doesn't he? He's about to leave, at least to the visible eye. He's about to leave, and he's made it plain. He's going to the Father. But he said, I'm giving to you the Holy Spirit. And then you go into all the world, into the marketplace of humanity. You go, you go, and carry with you this gift, and sow it, and invest it in others, in others, in others, in every situation that you find. Huh, do you understand? You are a result of their investing. We are the sower that goes forth to sow in the parable of Jesus in, what is it, Matthew 13. Uh, we, we go forth, we, see, we, we have been taught 
that we are sort of super passivity. We sit in the bleachers and, and we, we toss up ideas to God. Uh, our hope of ever getting anything is about as good as winning the lottery. But we, we toss things up to God and, and we sit back in the bleachers to, to watch God do stuff. And I come to this, which unlocks the New Testament, that, no, he, he says, you go and do it. You do it. You. And, and I'm in you, and my power is part of the gift. And you will learn as you go. And the dream of the Father is fulfilled, and the delight of the Father is fulfilled as, as you take baby steps and you learn to do this and notice it said he gave according to their ability so this one fellow gets five talents another gets two and so on uh, that wasn't um, because the, the, the owner had a pet and, and, and said well I like you better than him so I give you five it was according to their ability the, the owner had been studying these slaves he knew exactly their capabilities and it would have been stupidity to give five talents to the fellow that could only uh, handle two. Uh, and, and so, it's according to ability. We might as well get this straight right now. I, I said that you are the creation of God, made on purpose. You are no accident. And you see, it's who you are. Your uniqueness as a person. The, the unique way you feel, your, your emotions, um, your genes. Your, huh. I mean, it's you, not me. I, I don't feel about life the way you do. Um, even the fact, and I'm very serious, the fact I, I'm British and my wife comes from Cuba. I mean, the... People are different in Cuba to the way we are in England. It's, but you see, that's all part of how God gives. That we, He fits us, perfectly fits us. We wouldn't fit anywhere else. Fits us to that area of life that is to be ours. You'd be useless in the 18th century, so would I. We'd look idiots in the 22nd century. No, just right now. In this time, in the ticking of this clock, of the race that you happen to be, of your status in life, stop being envious of others and celebrate who you are and recognize that you have been gifted in a way that completely fits you where you are. To fulfill the purpose that you have in your existence. He knows you. And he gifts you to, with such fullness. It's everything you can handle. And he calls forth your potential. He calls forth your specific purpose in being a person in union with him. The Holy Spirit fits you perfectly. He lives inside of you. He's totally comfortable in you. He's fitted to you. And so into our unique hands, 
to the unique place we are. He gives us the living gift of the Holy Spirit, the source of all gifts. Places him the potential. He places into our hands to go off into our little world and just being ourselves. But we've caught his dream so that we now interpret life now as the opportunity to invest his gift. And we do so with words. And I don't mean annoying preaching of people. It's so disgusting. More people have walked away from the good news by someone who wouldn't stop yakking with their formulas of what people have to do. Just be the person that you are. Beloved of the Father and filled with the love of God, and people will beat a path to your door. Huh. That's it's your potential, that Christ is in you. And it comes out in your words, of course it does. That if, if you understand the nature of the gift within you, then it begins to change your words because it changes the way you look at life. And it fills your words with hope and expectancy and joy, which causes people to stop and take a second look. What's the matter with this person? We invest with prayer. You see, this changes prayer. Prayer is my investing along with the Father in you. It's not just throwing up ideas to God. It is being one. Jesus is praying in the heavens right now, says Hebrews. What is he praying for? For you? What's he praying for me? It says the Holy Spirit in us is now joining with that prayer of Jesus in heaven. And that's prayer. Prayer begins with what Jesus is praying the mind of God. And it is relayed to us by the Holy Spirit. So when we pray, we're not throwing prayers up. We're one with the up. I'm one with Jesus. I'm one with the Father. I'm praying His prayers for you. And you're not over there somewhere because we're inseparable in Christ. I'm investing in your life. I am praying the fullness of the gospel to be known in your life. I'm making an investment that it might increase to include you. Think about that. Hands. When we lay hands upon people and pray, we're making an investment. We are sharing all the glory that God has given to us in Jesus and we're Sharing with your burden and filling it with God's answer. And we do that as we see fit. What do I mean when I keep saying that? No. You've got permission. You have permission to risk. You've got permission from God to dare. To take this gospel in all its potential unrealized and... Put it there and pray it there and see what happens. You're in this marketplace of the world, not as a pauper. You don't go, I'm terribly sorry, what I wish I could do something for you. No, I come and I have hidden resources. 
The scripture calls it the riches of his glory, the riches of his grace, the treasures that are hidden in Christ. So with Peter, do you remember that? See, this is how they looked at it in the New Testament. Peter said to the man at Gate Beautiful, such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. Could you say that as you walk into a human situation of pain and sorrow? And whether you say the words, are you saying it inside, such as I have, I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to give you the love of God. I'm going to speak his gentleness. I'm going to uphold you with his encouragement and kindness. I'm going to be the presence of Jesus to you. Make an investment. Watch the increase as that life is transformed. You see in your hands what do I mean by in your hands I mean that you do not go around saying well if it be your will well that killed it right there didn't it because you're not asking for anything you're saying everything I've just asked cancel it out if it be your will Look, you know his will. I've been talking about it all night. The, the will of God is that the love of God shall gush through you and reproduce itself in others in a million different creative ways. You don't... You don't... Pete, Pete, at least when I was raised in the church, uh, it was an obsession with the will of God. Obsession. I mean that very carefully. I do you know when I was a young teenager, we spent all night, yes, all night, no sleep, praying to know the will of God. But our idea of the will of God was some place God was going to send us, some special mission He was going to give to us, and and some you know poor person says, "Well, I think the Lord is sending me to." West Africa, you see. It, it could never be that the Lord was sending me to live here. Um, always the will of God was exotic. It, it, and also, it usually was uncomfortable, meaning you're probably going to end up in a malarial swamp or something. And it was never ordinary. No, the will of God has got nothing to do with place. The will of God has got nothing to do with the unique mission. The will of God is that you, who you are, where you are, doing what you're doing, will invest into that world that is presently yours, all the fullness of God that is in Christ Jesus. We, we used to pray, Lord, you know, if it be your will, do, do you want us to do this? Yeah. And of course it would take weeks to get an answer and then it was too late to do it anyway, you know. Um, and I, I, I remember I was praying once um, about a meeting I'd been invited to go to and, and I said, Lord, if, is it your will that I go? And honestly, this sounds rather strange, I suppose, but I, I knew the word of God, the voice of God within me said, if you want to, you can go. If not, it's okay. Uh, and I suddenly realized freedom, freedom. I was left free to go where I would, carrying the will, the intention, the purpose of God with me wherever I went. 
Yeah, do you remember when Paul and Silas, and the way it is that you can read it, what is it, Acts 16? Um, we call it the official, the second missionary journey of Paul. But how it worked, it seems Paul came down for breakfast one morning and said, you know, I, I, I've got a thing. I, I, I'd like to go and see the brothers where we were a few months ago. And Silas said, yeah, why not? I don't, I don't, surely we should call prayer fasting, is it the will of God? No, he said, I, I feel like I'd, I'd like to go. And Silas said, yeah, why not? And they went and obviously the Spirit was with them. And then they, they, they visited all the brothers and then they're sort of a long way from home. And, and so they said, you know what, let's go to Ephesus. Let's start a church there. And they start going down the road to where, And then, for the first time in all of this, it says the Spirit suffered them not. They're not bothered. They didn't say, oh, we missed the will of God. No, they just turned around. Well, let's go to Bithynia. That's the next big population area. And off they go to Bithynia. But as they're going, it says the Spirit suffered them not. They didn't get upset again. Didn't even call a prayer meeting. They said, well, there's only one way left. And they went to Troas. And nothing's happening in Troas. Until Paul received a dream that opened up where they'd never thought of going, never dreamed, to Europe. Why do I say that? Did you notice the will of God was green lights? Go. You want to go and visit your brothers? Yeah, why not? Go. Go and carry my will with you. Because my will isn't whether you go or not. My will is what you're saying as you go, what you're being and doing as you go. And so it was. Until they start to go to Ephesus and the Holy Spirit said, uh-uh, later, I've got much better plans. And they have such a relationship, that's not condemnation. They don't fall apart. The Holy Spirit doesn't give us green lights. The Holy Spirit is not forever saying, you can go there, you can go there. He says, go, go, go. I'm with you, I'm ahead of you. It's only when we're doing a path Though it might seem the obvious, the Holy Spirit says, uh-uh, not now. And, and we, we might go straight away and, again, uh, no, no, no. Until he breaks in with where we... Holy Spirit only does red lights. He only stops us. Other than that, we're free, as free as these characters with five bars of gold in our hand. Go out there and and in a terrifying freedom. We we are in union with the Holy Spirit. And every person we meet, every person we work with, we can just be to them the love of God. We can be the gentleness of God. We can be the compassion of God. We might pass them in a subway station and a smile, a look. And behind the look is the name of Jesus. Do you get it? See, when they put those bars of gold on the kitchen table, that was death. Hear me carefully. It was death to everything that they had thought life was up until that moment. With the entrance of five bars of gold, life will never be the same. And everything I've called life, certainly, it's not that.
In fact, at the same self-same moment, it was a resurrection. Five bars of gold was not only death to what they'd always called life, but it was a resurrection to entering into a life that could only be stated as union with their master owner. To be as he in the marketplace. To enter into a life that up until that point only the owner, master, had known. And now they're going to know it and call it life. So the servant mentality that's got to go, it's that one of you must, you ought, you should, you can't. A life of limitations, confined to boundaries, four walls, schedules, yes sir, no sir. They now are sitting as free men with an investor's mentality which meant that every day they're free now. Not bound by laws and formulas. They're free, open now to possible potential of that gift that they have being multiplied. And they weren't starting with a nickel that they're going to trade the nickel and try and get somewhere with it. No, they start, they start with the rewards that the owner has accrued over decades. Now it's theirs. Even as you, you begin, you begin with Jesus receiving the reward of his death and resurrection. You begin with the fullness of the Holy Spirit dwelling with, that's where you begin not that awful religious stuff that says, well, if you do this, and if you read your Bible through ten times, if you, if you, and then, no, 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 no. You begin. <laughs> you begin where Jesus ascends to the Father and says, now, you receive the Holy Spirit, and this is where you begin. This is who you are. You begin with the owner's fortune on the kitchen table. You better acquaint yourself with the gift. I'm talking freely here of the gift. Acquaint yourself. As surely as these slaves who have never seen one scraping of gold, let alone five bars, you better acquaint yourself. You better discover what five bars of gold can do. Because it's beyond your imagination. You better understand what this new life is. You better understand that what you call impossible is not impossible anymore. Better renew your servant mind and receive the thoughts and the imaginations and the dreams of the Father revealed in the Son and brought to us in the Holy Spirit. We better give up that religious poverty spirit that says we never have enough who say every other word, I'm under attack and the devil's trying to steal from me. So, number one, I never have enough and whatever I do have, I'm expecting the devil to get it before sundown. No, come on, come on, come on. Sit at the kitchen table of the Holy Trinity and recognize in Christ you are joint heirs with Christ and a co-worker with the triune God. There's no more poverty spirit. There's no more saying, I don't have enough. 
You have the enough of God himself to invest in every situation, every challenge, every opportunity, and face every trial and temptation. Unlimited riches of life in Christ Jesus. This is our life in Christ. Hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to leave it there because I, I want to finish this next week and I also want to introduce you to that other pathetic character that did nothing with his bar of gold. But that's another story. Right now, I, I could not be more serious I said the Holy Spirit revealed this way of looking at my life decades ago. And, well, it transformed everything. I, 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 be, I, I entered into a world of I couldn't wait to give it away. I couldn't wait to invest and to realize that in investing in others, I always had too much. I had to keep, it, it was the, this flow of life, this, this receiving of the love of God and giving that into persons and situations. I, I trust the Holy Spirit will just cause you to catch that, catch it. So, so we're not these pathetic people that just get from God, you know, you come home something the owner has given you and all you can think of is uh, let, let's, let's enjoy a good dinner with this let, let, let's buy some stuff no we have received an, a gift of God to give away to invest into others and that places us seated in heavenly places along with Christ sharing his passion sharing his mind and translating the intention and the dream of God into wherever we are. Father, we thank you for your dream of love. We thank you that we were in your dream. And that's now being worked out by the Holy Spirit. Yet we realize the potential of you dwelling in us is beyond our wildest dreams. We, we can't think it. We don't have the categories in which to think so Holy Spirit bypass our brain reveal it to our hearts inspire us, excite us and let us see every area of our life as the marketplace in which we invest your very self confirm this word that I speak this night in the lives of all who hear it for so I bless you, and that is the way it is.